There he is, Kong. I got him now. This gas bomb will take care of you, you son of a bitch. Welcome to Little House on the Scary, dun, dun, dun. episode six, Ooh. episode six, girls. Six. Yeah. Episode six, and we are coming at you one once again from a, in a lovely evening. It's a lovely evening here in Gainesville. The baby's asleep. <laughs> We're set up. We got some wine. <laughs> We're fixing the talk. Hopefully the baby will stay asleep. Hopefully the baby will stay asleep. Yeah, don't you guys jinx this. Yeah. <laughs> so this is sort of a special episode because we we participated in a little creative project. Uh, we ha- we did some funtivities. Funtivities, guys. Funtivities. And we're going to tell you all about that. And it's related to, the, to, you know, the subject of our podcast, which is films. And I guess it's related to horror films. And we're going to kind of dig into that in a little bit. But this is Nigel, the Peruvian nightmare. And Hello. my co-host is... Hello. I'm Scaryana. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> God damn. Cheyenne. <laughs> Too much wine. <laughs> oh boy. Take oh boy. two. This is Nigel, the Peruvian nightmare. And my co-host is Scary Anna. And our last co-host is Cheyennegans, also known as Mrs. Mrs. Peruvian, Peruvian Nightmare. God, that was the second time we tried that, folks. The first don't, time was Don't give away our secrets, <laughs> yeah. Nigel. Please. <laughs> I may or may not oh. leave that in. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So everybody's doing good. Yeah, we're checking yeah. in, checking in. Yeah, it's it's a day of Sunday rest. Sunday evening, it's a day of rest. Yeah. It was a pretty day. It nice was a warm. lovely day in Gville. Very windy and breezy. There's another cold front coming, so oh. prepare. They keep coming and going. Yeah, coming and going, coming and going, <laughs> like so many terrible horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, that'll do, kid. You got a good set of pipes on you there. Um, so we, like I said, we were, this episode is, is sort of a special episode because it's going to be related to this activity that we did and we do periodically for once a year or multiple, multiple times a year, really. But Shinigans, tell us like what we're talking about. Sure. Um, So for a couple of years now, the three of us have devoted our evenings and weekends to doing these film challenges. Some mornings, too. And some some early mornings. Um, Our very first film challenge that we ever did, we did the editing at night, in the middle of the night. This was pre-baby. But there's... A group in Gainesville that hosts the the competitions and and they're friendly. Um, it's all fun, just exploring 
making films, remaking films. So we did the Swedid competition in which we remake a film and it needs to be five minutes or less and you are limited to only practical effects or in-camera effects and it's supposed to be very low budget or no budget. <laughs> um, I think our budget tends to just grow every time yeah. we do it. Um, <laughs> we were pretty good this time. I think. Yeah, we did good. Lots of reusing stuff. Yeah. So this would be our third sweeted film that we did and I think every year we've done a horror film. Yeah. By luck. But the best effects are in horror yeah, films. I agree. Yeah. yeah. They I are. They what, are. What, what have we made? Our first one was Eraserhead. This was right after we had For the Cinema baby. Drome. Yeah. yeah. But we made one before that that is wacky. And it'll be, well, t what is the name? Introduce our team. So our team uh, name that we've been running with is Vita Mita Veggie Team. And that. That's a hidden reference there. Uh, the first person who can comment and uh, <laughs> locate that quote wins a free um, shout out in the next out. Yeah, Matt Burke for calling you out. <laughs> and so we have a YouTube channel, the Vitamita Vegetim YouTube channel, and it has most of ours on there. And we're going to put a couple more, including our latest one. But what are what are the other ones? We Eraserhead, you mentioned. Eraserhead, that was, uh, a, that felt, sort of like troubling to make because we had just had the baby and we were like, sure, let's make this film and then about come to find out. baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and about like a strug like it struggling really with new parenthood. Um, <laughs> but it was super fun to make the baby and, yeah, to, and to like kill make the, baby. the baby vomit on camera <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> but not yeah. a real baby. No. Um, and it then, felt real to me. It if, did. It felt uncomfortable, but I think, I don't Nigel know, there are discoveries. I did. Well, it was made out of like wet clays. <laughs> and lots of Vaseline. <laughs> and, and sesame seeds. Remember the sesame seeds? Oh, yeah, that yeah, was my that's idea. Right. Yeah. That was great. Um, listeners, if you've never seen the actual movie uh, Eraserhead, see it. Yeah. But just like, it's David Be Lynch. Prepared. Yeah. It's be prepared. You could just see our five minute right. remake because <laughs> yeah. we cover all the basics. Yeah, we cover. We it. were fastidious in um, recreating um, the yeah. compositions of the particular scenes, and we used their dialogue. And that baby looks exactly like David Lynch's baby. Yep. And we won an award for best special effects, best costumes that year. Yeah. Um, and then our next one was? We did The Exorcist. That mm -hmm. is the Peruvian Nightmare's favorite, favorite, favorite film favorite ever. Favorite film of all time. Favorite favorite movie of all time. Even like not just horror, but like rom-coms and romances yep. and all it's of it. It's my favorite rom-com of all time. <laughs> wow. I, and that movie scared the crap out of me until we remade it with a doll. And now it doesn't scare me mm -hmm. at all. Her headless corpses right there i'm looking yeah, right at it <laughs> in our studio slash my office is decorated with uh you know lots of little horror things maybe sometime we'll post a picture of my spooky office setup <laughs> but yeah reagan from our exorcist her headless body is standing there looking at me because i don't know where her head is oh her head's <laughs> around it's around mm. somewhere hmm mm. Hmm. <laughs> so that was the last one we made. And then this time we remade a classic 1933 King Kong. King Kong from 1933. Yeah. And uh, the, we should point out that we didn't choose King Kong. That was 
among the three choices we had from a roll of the dice. Right. That's part of the competition is that you roll the dice, you get three choices, you choose from among those three choices. And you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. And what do you, what were the, I don't remember what our other ones that oh, we had to choose from. So Dumb and Dumber was dumb. <laughs> no, was it? Yeah, no. Damn. If I had known, that's not seen. No, no, no. No, no. Um, so Jaws, I think, was, oh, yeah. was in the right. running for me. It was I, in the running. I could envision it. Yeah. And then Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which oh, also- Oh, yeah, because we rolled twice. That's yeah. right. We did. We gambled. And mm. the second roll was, was worse. worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Killer Clowns would have been cool, but it- no, the um, I mean, the movie's terrible in reality. It's a really like n- not PC film by any stretch. Not that I think horror needs to be PC, um, you know, particularly. But these movies that were made in the 80s, there was a lot of language that you could not even in a horror film, you could not get away with nowadays. Um, and so Killer Clowns is loaded with that. And but I mean, this the the makeup effects would have been like impossible to do i mean i, I don't there'd well, be I no never way. say impossible yeah wow. I, I i'd be willing to try it but i was more excited about king kong so yeah so we um, went with king kong uh, jaws was almost there but for those of you listening uh, all over the country it, it is winter and florida does have cold. a winter yeah it's so cold here <laughs> you guys have like a winter. 40 yeah it dips down <laughs> in the 40s and um bodies of water are hard to come by but there are several that are relatively close and they're called springs and i sort of pictured myself um doing lots of springs underwater uh, gopro filming and my ass would have been in the water and <laughs> i don't i'm not you're sure you're painting a beautiful picture here <laughs> yeah. nightmare i think uh, i think let's let's do it let's remake yeah. it someday in the <laughs> <Maybe>. next time <laughs> maybe it's always a possibility get a wetsuit <laughs> but so we did king kong from 1933 and so i asked the lovely scary anna to kind of give us a synopsis it's it's not like a it's not inception it's not inception what is it all right king kong so the basic story is you have this ambitious director carl denham who wants to make a picture and he's already successful but he wants to be more successful he's really ambitious his uh um studio has been hounding him he's been spending a lot of money he's got this idea of going out to this mysterious island where he's heard there's fantastical creatures and so he's hired a boat and he needs to find a girl to put in the picture because (laughs) you know boobs sell film tickets so um so he finds this girl who's starving she's stealing an apple she's so hungry (laughs) so he picks her off the street (laughs) there weren't any cheeseburgers (laughs) not not in london Apple. And he tells her he's not, you know, he tells her he doesn't mean any funny business and he's going to be straight with her and he hauls her onto this boat and they go out to this mysterious island, Skull Island, um, and where they discover um, this like prehistoric giant ape. The ape gets obsessed with the blonde white woman and ends up like taking her because she's offered up as a sacrifice to him by the native peoples of this island who worship the ape as a god. And uh, Denim ends up capturing the ape and chaining him up and taking him back to New York and putting him up on display to sell tickets to make money. Um, The ape breaks his chains, 
finds the girl, runs away with her, goes up to the Empire State Building, gets shot down by airplanes, <laughs> dies, and, you know, Carl Denham has the last word, as always. Yeah. And that's the basic plot um, of the original, 1933. And there have been various remakes since yeah. then that and have kind of altered the storyline a bit, but basically it's always that same storyline, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think the most famous one uh, is what's his butt, who Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, he tried to he tried to clean it up, but the yeah. essentials are still problematic. It's problematic. There. So we're gonna actually uh, our film is five minutes long, exactly. Five minutes, six, six minutes, six seconds. Here's King Kong, nineteen thirty three, sweeted by Vita Team, aka Little House on the Scary. <laughs> group plus our neighbor ellen birch who is uh an illustrator and she's very good all right here's it is yeah i think the music really sets the tone yeah welcome to the gang ellen <laughs> king kong Oh, that's Cheyennegans. One take. Some lungs yeah. there. That'll do, that'll do, kid. You got a good set of pipes on you there. <laughs> I've never been on a ship before. No, I bet you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to seek money, fame, and, and fortune? fortune Isn't baby? money and fortune the same? <laughs> Don't worry, you're pretty no, it's not. I'll be square with blonde. you. You'll be square with me. <laughs> you oh, really do. Now look here. Don't be a cockeyed nuisance. Oh, but I, I wasn't trying to. Uh, women you keep looking at her boobs, it. Nigel. <laughs> but I'm not. It's a beauty and a beast story, baby. You're the beauty, and we're going to find the beast. <laughs> a bedroom eyes. Skull Island. <laughs> That's vampire movie music. <laughs> we could do that next. Oh, yeah, we definitely need to do that. Okay, baby. So where are we going anyway? Kong, baby. You ever hear a Kong? <laughs> What's a Kong? He's a beast, no man. Deadly. All powerful. Holding this island in, in the, the grip, grip of, of fear. fear. <laughs> huh. Huh. Why are we stopped? Shh. <laughs> Over there. How many takes did that take? Yeah, yeah three words. Yeah, I was drunk too. <laughs> you know, the repetition builds Kong's tension musically. So, listeners, there's cards up, and you'll see it when you watch the video on YouTube. And I just want to say, Scary Anna here, I was the ape in that. In this scene. scene. Wait. It's pretty um, fun. Shouldn't I be blonde? Yeah, it's okay. We'll fix it in post-production. Okay. And poor Cheyenne, like, hurt her wrists. Yeah. Struggling against those bonds. White women are the preferred human sacrifice. <laughs> Noisy but tasty. <laughs> There's this Bobby. The best. So... Listeners, the um, King Kong is smelling the clothes. And that's straight out of the real movie. <laughs> Actual scene. Why am I smelling her clothes? Well, you're just you're just curious. You're curious about her. Yeah, but she doesn't really seem to be into it. it it's okay. Feels, it's yeah. all right. Just keep going. 
<laughs> it's a scene that should have been in the original, but was yeah. not. Was yeah. not. Was not. But he did spend a lot of time smelling her clothes. So weird. Always get consent, boys. Always get consent. Active consent. Oh, yeah, the T-Rex noises are very authentic. <laughs> I googled authentic T-Rex noises. Yeah. Somebody had a tape recorder, thank God. One of the cavemen had a tape recorder and recorded some T-Rex sounds. King Kong is is an astute boxer. Yeah, yeah. he's very like, good. Trained, he's got some trained modern boxer. moves. It's an uppercut really, right there. Really good. Here's my scene, guys. I love it. There he is, Kong. I got him now. This gas bomb will take care of you, you son, son of a bitch. bitch. <laughs> okay, that line was not in the original movie. Yes, I ad-libbed. And Kong is going down. Yeah, gas bomb got him. Kong endures an arduous crossing. Yeah, we didn't want to show him in chains on a ship. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So but he's it's... drinking a beer and his sunglasses. Thank you to First Magnitude Brewing Company for these wonderful beverages that we're partaking on in this filming. Chrome steel. As soon as you say that, he moves. Yeah. And then we never hear from the announcer again. Yeah, well, the announcer ran away. <laughs> Kong escapes. He and Anne hit the town and taking a show and grab a few drinks before heading to the Empire State Building. To get a good view. Thank you, Ellen Birch, for this wonderful backdrop painting. We'll talk about all of her special effects here in a minute. <laughs> Thank you to Alari for letting us use her Bobby, Bobby doll. doll. <laughs> Mariana's uh, clay claymation <laughs> masterpiece. It, it is a masterpiece. Kong looks like a turd walking Bobby. up the side of the <laughs> Yeah, it's a very chaotic scene, but it really captures the... The angst. Masterful. Oh, no. Masterful editing. Masterful editing. And I'm taking my last breath there. Kong is breathing. You can see Kong breathing. Beauty killed this beast. Which is the actual line at the end of the movie. The end. The end. Woo! <sighs> <laughs> So that was it, listeners. Yeah, that was the masterpiece. Yeah. It makes us laugh. Yeah. And it, that's all that really matters, right? So, but it's making us laugh. So does it count as a horror movie? Mm, well, that's the question. That's the question. I, I mean, I've laughed at some horror movies. Yeah, I've laughed in plenty of horror movies. Yeah. There's plenty of horror movies that aren't scary. So that actually, thank you. 
Shyanigans for keeping to the outline. I was looking at the outline. <laughs> I, I was moving us forward on the outline so that you didn't have to say anything about the outline. Right. Excellent. Excellent. But now that you've said something, then we're it, professionals here, listeners. Uh, we're getting so, off track. I know we're doing it. We're pulling an Edward Stork here. Come on now. Stay focused. I, I, I would be so disappointed. I know, Ed, Ed Stork. We're sorry, Ed. We're yeah, sorry. Keyboard player for Have Gun Will Travel. You'd be so disappointed that we're getting going on on tangent. How about this wine? That we're drinking. This is so delicious. delicious. Do you know the thing about Italian. wine? The thing about Italian wines are just uh, you know. You sounded very Italian in that movie. Nigel. Thanks, thanks. Italian yeah. gangster. I like Italians. I like wine. I like Italian wine. You don't like pasta though. I do not like pasta. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I bet you haven't. It doesn't really apply, but I just needed to say it. But you haven't. <laughs> It's, also it's, not an original line ad-libbed yeah. by Nigel. Yeah, so, so so the direction there was just uh this scene has lots of sexism. So yeah. the point of this scene yeah. is just that be slimy. Yeah, yeah. Nigel did a good job. Uh, what, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a natural. Watch, yeah, yeah. I can, Tut. I can, I can be slimy if I need to be. So, so my, maybe that is horror. My definition of horror. This is my definition, folks. And uh, I'm a horror connoisseur, but everybody, I'm sure, has different definitions. But my definition of horror is that a film is horror if its intent is to scare the audience. That's the first intent. Causing fear is the prime motivation of the film right right there's and there's different like steps in horror you can have horror first you know like crime horror or you can have horror and then um, magical realism or something like that but if if the prime motivation is to put fear into the viewers then i think that characterizes that horror so i have this book that i bought when i was like 19. Um, it's called Video Hounds Horror Show 99 Hair Raising Hellish and Humorous Movies. Uh, and it's just, it goes through all kinds of different horror movies. But at the beginning, it, it describes like what there's three basic criteria to what makes a good horror movie. And I, th- I think it's real. Uh, you know, it's three basic excellent points. One is empathize with the characters. Even if we don't like or identify with them, we have to invest emotion in their fate. We've got to care about them. And certainly, I think the girl in King Kong. Anne. Anne, yeah. I think, you know, people care about her. Yeah, Um, she's pretty. Yeah, she's pretty. She's got you know, She's blonde, blonde hair. Uh, we ex two. We accept and believe in the setting. It may be a little California town or a, or the spaceship Nostromo from Aliens, but on some level, we must enter that world and understand its rules. And so, you know, where you lose people are when it's so far fetched. This this universe that you're living in or that you're seeing is so beyond like our grasp of understanding that it, it makes us, you know, unfamiliar. Three, we're afraid of the monster. It can be a specific creature or thing. It can be a spirit, a concept, whatever. It must touch an existing fear within us or create one. So I think those are kind of the three three bases for what makes a good horror movie. And I, yeah, I mean, I got this book, like I said, when I was like 19 and I, you know, believe that today that those are kind of the base base ideas for what makes a good horror movie. Now I think that King Kong is a horror movie, but I can't say 
that the creator's intent, I haven't really read too much about like how the writers of King Kong originally, if they perceived it as a horror movie or not, it's always in the horror movie genre. Um, but I think because of specific attributes that the film holds, it makes it fit that those criteria, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> the monster in this situation is a giant gorilla, but the monster is also a stand in for the racist idea of of this fear of African-American men. And that's what the root of this entire film is. Um, we're going to go into that in a little bit, but there was this movie that came out in 1915 called Birth of a Nation made by D.W. Griffith. It's notorious. It's terrible. It's horrible. But it was one of the first big production films. It was a silent film, but it it in the film, it was originally called The Klansman, but they changed it to Birth of a Nation. D.W. Griffith oh, changed God. it. Yeah. And it is basically responsible for the resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan. And so in this movie, D.W. Griffith wasn't quite as creative as the makers of King Kong because <laughs> they, you know, so they're instead of using actual black people, we'll use a gorilla, giant a giant ape. But D.W. Griffith just went for the gusto and used African-American men as the monsters. White men in blackface. Yes, that's true. Yeah, white men in blackface yeah. specifically. Wow, yeah. I've never yeah. seen it. Uh, well, don't. And, and I don't want <laughs> to, but a, this is a terrible movie. Appalling. It's a terrible movie. Um, it is a appalling and it basically was the resurgence of the uh the ku klux klan and it and it kind of because the ku klux klan had died out after the civil war and then they you know picked this shit right back up yeah. um, where they left off with this idea of black men being this perpetuator of violence and like uncontrollable sexual lust targeting white women and it's always and I could list a thousand cases of violence that has been based in um, the myth of black men attacking white women. Yeah, I mean, Emmett Till, right? And Emmett Till. Being the most famous. Well, and where we are locally, the Rosewood Massacre, which was yeah. literally took place just up the street. Um, and it was the same situation. So I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? About King Kong as a horror movie? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, 1933, it's like the film industry is in its infancy, right? I don't think, and I don't think anyone had even invented a horror movie, like, or right. even thought of categorizing movies in terms of horror or comedy or like, we, we developed this new technology and what are the first things that we make? I mean, of course we make porn. That's the first, <laughs> right? But, but the second thing is, is horror. We make horror movies. Like we make movies about the things that scare us. And it just shows how mm. like essential horror is like to help us process and to share stories and i think that i think it's really fascinating but i, I think it's a classic creature feature i think yeah. creature features evolved from this movie mm -hmm. right this is the movie that kind of set the the tone for that so for sure horror yeah for the record nosferatu came out in 1922 and that was a vampire it was flick. silent right yeah silent film and this one was not silent this was not this there's there's definitely a, a lot, lot of, of screaming racist <laughs> sexist sound <laughs> yeah which is also horrifying right. to exactly. hear now yeah. um yeah, yeah. It didn't age well <laughs> 
but it was horrifying then and for the record like moral like relativism that idea that you know like oh that's just how things were done back then you know everybody thought that way that is not true and that goes back all the way to the massacre of Native Americans in this country there were people that were against it back then it wasn't just how people thought there were people that were against slavery they were called abolitionists and you know it wasn't just what everybody thought so that idea of like moral it was a different time so let's give this movie a pass i I know we thought about that a lot when when we decided to remake this particular movie like how do we address these really problematic especially after we watched the original because i don't know that any of us had really watched the original all the way through we knew the basic storyline because it's such a part of like culture yeah but i know that that was a concern like how do we address these like these these issues these are these are real problems that still exist today and how how do we address this in a thoughtful way that doesn't perpetuate them mm-hmm. yeah i felt timid and maybe that was why i pushed so hard for jaws yeah. was because it <laughs> yeah. felt like such a big undertaking and like as a white woman too oh god it's so easy for me to just slip into um yeah not recognizing how i'm being racist um so of course i didn't i didn't want to like do anything inadvertently either um yeah so let's talk about then the what what's problematic specifically about this film Uh, a lot of you listeners who haven't watched the original it's on youtube i I highly recommend (laughs) it i mean i think it's really interesting it's Mm -hmm. a it's a an interesting piece of film history, you know, for people who are film buffs and are interested to see, like, it made huge strides technologically in, like, special effects. It was, like, awe-inspiring for people to watch this in the theater. Like, we watch it now and it's like, oh, yeah, sure, of course. Like, we're used (laughs) to seeing these kinds of effects, but at the time, they were not. And so that, like, I think that technological feat, like, over overwhelmed maybe the um, metaphorical issues that were happening and also just the the social commentary on our economic system and our you know patriarchal system right that that pe- people just ac- accepted and acknowledged as as norm normal right. so so those are so those are the three that I wanted to touch on the three pop problematic things with this movie, right? There's obviously the racism, right? The, <laughs> the, the gorilla as a metaphor for a black male sexuality, its obsession with the white blonde female. Um, there's sexism in the movie, right? This, <laughs> these men trying wait, wait, to protect. What do I say? What do I call her? Babe. No. Oh. Don't be a. A cockeyed nuisance. Don't be a cockeyed nuisance. That's a literal quote from the <laughs> yeah. movie. I pulled it from the script. <laughs> don't be a and cockeyed women can't nuisance. be a bother. They just yeah. made that way. Yeah, that's, that's also that a literal quote from. from the script. So, like, this idea of that, that women are fragile and need to be protected from this, like, you know, all powerful, you know, black ape that maybe, I guess, wants to have sex with her. And I'm not sure how that would work, but that's that's the idea behind it. But there's also this, like, really problematic view of, like, capitalism, this idea mm. that this this animal exists and white men can go and find it and take it as a possession and sell it mm. and, and monetize it. Oh, and that's when okay. Did, when did that happen? Something similar to that historically. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Going over overseas to a foreign land and mm. enslaving. Stealing people. These living Stealing beings. Things. That happened. And bringing them back to <laughs> work true. without compensation. In chains. Right. 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 And it's just a normal, like, it's a normal thing in the movie. It was just like, of course, that, you know, 
they got him, it was celebrated. Yeah. We're all going to be rich, he said, you know. And and everybody was Money, happy. fame, <laughs> and, and fortune. fortune. <laughs> Baby. Yeah, exactly. Baby. <laughs> so, I mean, so those are, the, those are the problematic elements of this movie that we had to address somehow. We had to figure out how to, like, address them without continuing to glorify and normalize yeah. these situations. So, what's interesting is that, yes, we had to, we had to find a way around these problematic issues because they, we found them problematic. Yeah. But I think another level of that is that maybe not everyone finds that problematic. Right. right. And in sort of addressing those issues or not addressing or not displaying some of those things. Um, I don't know, like looking back on the film, it, film, it feels like, did we need to communicate a little bit more? Because um, the film is using symbolism. The, the original is using symbolism, yeah. right? Um, and so maybe not everyone even picks up on those things that are there because they're not looking for it. Or it's just so much around them and ingrained in them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we use satire pretty well to kind of address the, some of the problematic issues we had, like yeah. we broke the fourth wall, you know, we, we, you know, we just like, like the crossing where, you know, typically in the movie Kong is like in chains on a boat being dragged over. Like we, we changed that scene so that yeah. he's like sipping wine on a deck chair and being waited on by a waiter. You know what I mean? So like that kind of like juxtaposition would hopefully make people, you know, realize, oh, you know, in the original, he's in chains and, you know, here we are personifying him like, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. like a person and maybe being in chains wasn't good. And actually, mm. that's kind of screwed up. And I can't believe that was in the original movie, you know, and helping people think that mm. way. But also, this is not like a master's thesis where it's going to lay out <laughs> yeah. every every point we have to make because yeah. it would be super boring and a lot longer than five minutes. Right. right. Yeah. Right, and so right. that's the thing with satire is that it, some people aren't going to get it and some yeah. people won't think it's funny. And I mean, that's just the risk you take when you make art is that you won't always reach your audience yeah mm -hmm. but i think we did a pretty good job trying to address those issues you know like i think that you know we did the best that we could using humor and i do think that humor is very powerful i think that if we if you just preach at people and say this is screwed up and this is bad that you it's, people yeah. shut down and they yeah, get yeah, defensive exactly. whereas mm -hmm. if you use humor to kind of like draw people in and make people think. I think that's a, a more helpful Which thing. is what Saturday Night Live tries to do, and they fail continuously <laughs> for a decade. But anyways. Um, another down, Nigel. <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> so there, I have this wonderful book called Horror Noir, Blacks in American Horror Films from 1890s to the Present by Robin R. Means Coleman. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. There's actually a, uh, on Shudder, if you subscribe to Shudder, there is a documentary version really of this film that they talked to the author and a bunch of African-American uh, horror stars, including dude from Candyman. What was his name again? Tony. Tony. <laughs> I just, I just call him Tony. Tony, 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 Tony from, uh, from Candyman and a bunch of other actors from uh, African-American actors from horror cinema. Um, but they, they talk about King Kong actually. And I wanted to read a couple of things from it. Yes, please do. <laughs> Kong is the color black, emerging from a lower primitive culture in which he is su surrounded by black natives or many Kongs when they dress up like apes to worship their big Kong. The soundtrack that accompanies 
scenes with Kong and other blacks in the film consists of drums and auditory cue that this is typical of jun- jungle films and the appearance of black natives. I can't see anything. I, ha- I have this ambiance in the... Uh... <laughs> it's, it's biting you in the butt now. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Casting for... Kong included hiring every quote everybody they could find as long as they were not light complexioned. The studio was looking for extras with dark complexion, big lips, kinky hair. The use of black actors to portray Indonesians illustrates the typical racial impulse of Hollywood to conflate anyone with dark skin color. Um, and there's this one really terrible scene. Uh, I mean lacking all creativity at all in the racism um, where right after the natives quote unquote natives come and they kidnap the blonde girl off the ship this racistly portrayed character the the asian cook <laughs> played by victor wong in the 1933 version he runs around he, he he watches these natives come and take the white girl and he runs around like you know like a chicken with his head cut off freaking out and screaming crazy black man been here stole white girl yeah <laughs> Not subtle. (laughs) Not subtle in the least. And one more one more quote here. The film also asserts that unlike his past encounters with black women, because Kong had had to have sacrifices every periodically throughout his life. Right. So this wasn't his first sacrifice, but it was his first white woman. Um, the film asserts that unlike his past encounters with black women, Kong's reaction to Darrow's is unique in that he does not consume her. Rather, he falls in love with her and wishes to keep her around. Ew. Indeed, yeah, he smells her clothes. Yeah. Indeed, Kong's profound desire for such a, quote, human partner is not shown when he is offered black women rather his sexual desire becomes humane and humanized more fully when he settles on the female actress the right. white female actress. and oh. in, the, in the movie it's portrayed as that is what killed him right is that <laughs> the love fucked up or what <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Is that crazy? Yeah. And that is actually kept through all the remakes, including Peter Jackson's yeah. 2005. Yeah. You would think in 2005 we would know a little better, but we don't. But I think maybe they just don't see it that way. How they just can don't they not see-, see it. It's or they so see it and they up. don't care, or they think the audience doesn't see it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. So that that I think that last line of the movie that it wasn't the airplanes that killed him; it was beauty killed the beast. Yeah. Like that is, I think, probably the most screwed up line of the whole movie. Like, and I the fact that the movie ends on that and everybody just accepts it. Like, you know, it's not only black male sexuality that's dangerous; it's white female sexuality that's dangerous. Right. It's gonna get you killed. Yeah. If you go after it, like it's just and that is not that is something that has survived through all of the remakes. That is still something that is seen even in the latest iterations. Yeah. I mean, Peter Jackson is (laughs) I mean, there's so much written about the problematic issues with Lord of the Rings and the racist kind of connotations with Lord of the Rings and the orcs and the Urukai and like these Mm. these these clearly kind of leaning towards Africanized. Yeah. creatures um that are violent and ravenous and cannibals and you know it's yeah it's, we can just can't get away from this stuff yeah. we just can't we just can't seem to do it and but. i'm not saying that i know 
I know how to convey that same idea as a writer. Um, you know, like how do you do it? I think it, it, this idea of this this idea of the racist idea is so ingrained in yeah. our our thinking of this sort of fantasy situation that we we can't help we accept it we accept it it's we can't code. help but put it in there it's code you know? for violence it's code for danger absolutely king kong was much more explicit with its uh you know message that they were trying to get across as was birth of a nation i mean you can't deny what those films were saying but i think when you look closely at films like you know uh, lord of the rings and some of those situations and like loads and loads and loads of other films it's 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 if they're trying to communicate something a little bit more benign but at the same time, it's just if if you're paying attention, it's coming across as what racist as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's you're right. There are limitations with film in that you know you've got a good versus evil um, story, and you have to portray the evil because it's film, right? Yeah. And like, it's just so easy to go with the ones who are already being othered. Right. Yeah. Right. What I find fascinating, though, about this movie is the switch that happens. There's a flip that happens once Kong is brought over from from the island to New York, where you can see this when he's rampaging through New York, when he's at the top of the Empire State Building. He becomes a sympathetic character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you start to feel sorry for him. Like, you start to root for him. All those airplanes are shooting at him. And there's mo- several moments where he almost falls and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And then he catches himself. And, and then he becomes like like the sympathetic, like heroic character, and then he dies and you're just, you're kind of sad. Mm. And that, I find that fascinating that for, at first he was this like, you know, aggressive, you know, animalistic, like sexual being that had to be put down. And then he becomes a victim of the white female sexuality, you know, that Mm -hmm. he's in this foreign land that he doesn't understand fighting things that are stronger than him, but he does it for love. And then he becomes this kind of, kind of heroic character. It's so screwed Mm -hmm. up. It's so weird to me. And I found myself falling into that same category i found myself sympathizing with him and pitying him and Mm -hmm. feeling bad for him and Mm -hmm. you know and thinking oh you know he really you know he loved he loved andero and he didn't understand what was going on and it's just yeah it's really interesting and that happens also in the remakes same thing yeah Yeah. right even more so there's way because they play up the relationship yeah she way they play way up the connection there was a a version done in like the 70s maybe where it it got a little really too the dude sexual dude is in this one yeah. So one of the big things that we wanted to kind of highlight when we remade the film was that the original 1933 special effects are actually doable. <laughs> you know, they were practical effects and we wanted to kind of mimic them. And so Shyanigans, tell Recipe us about corner. the effects on I don't, I don't Recipe have a Corner. Jingle. Recipe Corner. So bad. That's <laughs> bad. Recipe corner. It's off tune. Really quick, well, folks. Um, it's very hot in our recording studio, so I opened a window. So if you hear the wind outside, let it add to the spooky ambience. I also have a lot of colored, red colored lights in the recording space here. So I try to like kind of. It's almost like we're in the womb, Nigel. <sighs> 
Do you think that the color red makes us feel like warmer? Like, no, yeah, I think talking I think so. nonstop makes us feel warmer. <laughs> Recipe corner. Got it. Okay. Right. So, so tell us about the special effects there, Cheyennegans. So we did a lot of special effects, uh, yeah. practical effects, which was really exciting because we were trying to figure out well, how do we make somebody in a grade school sized monkey suit look like they're really <laughs> giant and there's this thing called forced perspective and forced perspective is basically when one thing is close to you and another thing is far away but you frame it in such a way that they look like they're in the same space um, or distance from the vantage point so that one thing is giant and one thing is tiny. So um, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it was it was neat to do. We kind of did a slapdash version of it because we did have a three year old running around for most of the time. <laughs> yeah, with my we did iPhone the- and with Jelly Cat. Right, <laughs> yeah. Jelly Cat beat the crap out of you, Cheyenne, in that test. Um, so we did that, and and various team members wore the the monkey suit but the dinosaur fighting scene yeah we just went to the local thrift store wearing a mask and found whatever dinosaur toys they had actually and i bought that from walmart the t-rex brand Jeez. new wow oh there goes our budget and sliced open his belly it was worth it and added wire so he could move his limbs yeah. <laughs> we didn't even and we use. didn't even do it that way <laughs> no mariana scariana just held it and we just I we did a cut pretty good job. It's great. Yeah, it's, awesome. yeah, yeah. it's yeah. funny. Awesome. It's yeah. funny. Um, and then we also did um, foreground mats, which we had never heard of or seen before. And so it, it took some brainstorming and some YouTube videos to figure out exactly yeah, the mechanics the way of it. Disney originally did their yeah, animating. it's super yeah. fascinating. I definitely want to do it, it again. Was like, it was in the. The King Kong was actually yeah. yeah we yeah. looked up a lot of the the original. Like you can actually buy maybe the some of the original foreground mats. Oh, um, yeah. The foreground mat is basically um, a pane of glass or some sort of transparent frame where you can paint on it, and where you apply the paint, it masks the background, and so in that way you can sort of change areas of what's in the frame so you can change the location um you can paint in architecture so we painted in the sacrifice area where um Anne is is tied up and being offered no, to we Kong. didn't have a handy mound right <laughs> we didn't and and a lot of times with our filmmaking schemes location has been really difficult for us yeah. especially in the pandemic now Oh, yeah. my goodness. And yeah. With a, a, a kid. And then, you know, if your location is not ideal, then you have to figure out a way to frame it or crop things out. Um, and then you have to change your, your camera lens. And so we just decided we would do this film on site here and just make production studio. So we had areas where we set things up and the foreground mats were great because we just got lots of different frames of glass like. Um, picture frame glass and uh, painted with acrylic paint and then set that up in front of the lens and then the actors behind that um, so that it's sort of 
you're viewing the scene through that. Um, we found some really great YouTube videos. There's one of Charlie Chap roller skating, and it looks like he's about to fall into this giant pit. Um, and then the camera sort of opens wider and zooms back, and you see that it's just a foreground mat, and it's just like a wow moment. So um, we definitely did not like do anything of that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of that level. But just learning that technique was super fun. And mm. then like we were able to go, oh, we need this scene. Let's do a foreground mat. Okay, we got it. Um, and then the other thing we did was rear projection, which that was is cool. that Yeah, was that was super cool. fun. Um, because then we could just change our location. Like we need a jungle shot. Okay, let's get the neighbor to paint a jungle <laughs> scene or paint New York City since we can't fly to New York City. Or the ocean. Or the ocean. Or the ocean. So like um all of our location scenes um where we didn't have they were like, not actually on a boat. Yeah, they <laughs> were not filmed on location. You might think they were. Yeah. And the sound of water, that was just me splashing around in a pan <laughs> yeah i thought that was really cool and so kind of my role I, I i acted a little bit more than i was comfortable with in this <laughs> film but we needed a man a manly man and but i'm like the prop guy and so i you know i made this big projection screen and um you know it was able shower to, curtains shower yeah. curtains are the frosted. best thing frosted shower curtains are the best thing to use and luckily i have a, a projector and so we were able to kind of use that and you know i'm the prop guy yeah you made the top of the Empire State Building. Made the top of the it's Empire Building. Thank you to my daughter, Ilari, and my cousin, Julie, for providing that gift that- The princess tent we that destroyed. keeps giving. <laughs> um, it was well-purposed. Yeah, it was well-purposed. So, yeah, it was super cool practical effects. But I think, like, they're so appealing, the- these practical effects and and you know you can do digital effects too really well and it's cool and if you have a huge insane budget you can do digital effects and somehow now like digital effects have become less expensive than practical effects and so now like if well, you were making a film now yeah but. because if, if you think about the rear projection that they actually did in the original that that screen was like the size of a warehouse it was giant yeah right it was a giant rear projection God, what kind of projector right would they exactly have so the have in the technology ball, like that. the light but the the beauty of the practical effects is that they are it's literally magic it's magical like when we were doing it we set up the shot we filmed it and then when we watched it it was magic to yeah, see it how well so, it worked yeah, it was really it's cool. the magic it was of film so, exactly and you do not get that from digital effects digital effects are just cold mm. you know what i mean they're just yeah. you you act in front of this green screen and then later on they add these effects and there's no magic to it yeah whatsoever and i just have such an appreciation now for actually doing the the practical effects for the the I don't know that kind of excitement and warmth and like actual magic that they provide mm. to to a, to a show like a movie. And one of my favorite movies is Elf, which I know Nigel is not in your genre, <laughs> right? But they it's a used forced perspective man. in that movie, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. And they didn't have to. They could have done digital effects, and they chose to do this really old school forced perspective. And I think it really adds to the film. It yeah. really adds to the character of the film and the environment of the film because. No matter how good the digital effects are, a human eye sees them. Mm -hmm. We know that they are digital. Mm -hmm. We know. We know. Like, you can't mm -hmm. fool us. Um, and the practical effects, like, we also know those are real. Something mm -hmm. real is happening there. And it we're is, not and quite I sure how. Especially now, like, for us, too, 
everyone is on Zoom. Everyone is on their computer all the time. And while I love video editing, I just find it like, like a really fun sort of puzzle to do. I just, yeah, it's, it's really fun for me to spend my time doing that, but not for anyway. Um, <laughs> not the only thing. There's a time yeah. and a place for it. Yeah. Right? There's but, a craft to but it it's for sure. So fun to be outside and to be playing around with these like, oh, okay, scale so this is the distance. problem solving. So yeah. let's put the camera here. How and, do you oh, it needs get to be the lower glare off higher. the glass? Mm-hmm. Like that was a huge problem. Yeah. Like had the, there's glare and, the, and we had to wait for cloudy days. Like we couldn't mm-hmm. film on a sunny day. That was impossible. And yeah, it, yeah all of those like problem solving things were really, and when it worked, it was just amazing. It was yeah. a very, I wonder if big film production companies have, a, like similar problems like they sure. probably don't have to contend with cloudy days or not cloudy days because they can make Shoot it in rain a warehouse. yeah <laughs> but well, they probably also like solve a lot of the problems ahead of time like glare proof yeah. glass like that's something that exists <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yes it is <laughs> get that at repurpose project i don't think you can get that as repurpose project <laughs> yeah but, it was a lot of fun yeah mm-hmm. that, so, that was a Sort of wrapping it up, we're going to be doing more of these and we're going to be sure. expanding our horizons. Um, we're going to try to, uh, Scary Anna is going to look for some contests where we can enter our our existing films. Yeah, know, and I'd like to do some originals with using the foreground matting and the rear projection. Yeah. For the layering. record, we and tried an original and motion. it was terrible. <laughs> okay, so we do need some courses on actual not, like screenwriting. We actually rewatched that recently and it was not terrible, Nigel. Yeah, it's, I actually... It's not I watched it today. No. It wasn't. I thought, it was, I thought there were some really lovely moments, yeah. some lovely shooting. It's just too artsy, it's for, too artsy yeah. for the the audiences who have seen it so far. So <laughs> I think that that goes for everything un- that we've misunderstood. done. Misunderstood. I think David Lynch could say the same thing. Let's, so keeping on theme, though, like if 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 say we were going to make another horror movie, what could we do better within our budget, which is nothing i mean we have to pick the right movie and i I think understanding the audience what shanigan said was the key yeah you have to understand your audience for sure like you know if your audience is a bunch of dude bros that just want to see a lot of really gross stuff then that's you know that's what you play up to that's Mm. the kind of movie you pick those are the kind of effects that you do you know and if your audience is you know more mature women <laughs> who are interested in maybe story and character development then we do something more along the lines of memoir that we did right like which which <laughs> memoir we did for a bunch of dude bros so yeah, it did not work did out not well. work no 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 play. no but i being the middle-aged white lady that i am i enjoyed it greatly i thought it was really i thought Lovely. it was beautiful Stellar and you acting. know there yeah, were, there you. Were, it was lyrical. There were moments of real like emotion, and I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, and so yes, yeah. I think being aware of our audience and you know playing to those those interests will improve things for yeah. sure. Yeah, 
picking the right movies. I yeah. think but Black and White is good for us. Oh, yeah. But I'm Black also interested in doing more too. originals. Like, the remakes yeah. are fun because they create these constraints that you yeah. have to do. And you don't have to think about plot and blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. You can just focus on, like, the technical things. And I think that we really enjoyed that. But I think we can move beyond the technical things and create some more originals. I think I that see, would be fun. Yeah, I see these competitions, these, these sort of exercises as ways for us to Practice. build our yeah. toolbox. Yeah. yeah in sort of on the path of creating more originals because now we know how to do all of these things. Now we know how to levitate a doll. Um, (laughs) Fishing line. Uh, Fishing line is is a great thing to have on set. But yeah, like all of these things become sort of, you know, we can, we can do them. We can create a problem solve like in the moment. Um, And so that helps our creative thinking in terms of like writing originals Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. Awesome. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Super fun stuff. We'll post everything. Listeners will post uh, links to our YouTube channel on the uh, Little House on the Scary Facebook page also. And you can have that and and uh, check it out and check out all our films and give us the thumbs up. But that's about it. Thank you, yeah. listeners. Thank you. I would you. also like to say, though. Go. If we have any like local listeners mm-hmm. who are also interested mm-hmm. in filmmaking mm-hmm. opportunities just for fun or just for building toolboxes, not for money, fame, and not fortune, f- not f- <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we are spending um, money on this, uh, yeah. people, for our own. Personal yeah. growth. You get um, like cookies and wine. Yeah, yeah. cookies yeah, and wine. We, it's, it's we know bad. about craft services. Gummy yeah. bears for all. So, Our craft services are spot on. Call out <laughs> to any interested parties. Um, there's going to be a pretty rigorous vetting process. But if you're interested in working with our our group of filmmakers, yeah, or licking a GoPro, Vitamita Vegetine, Vitamita Vegetine, or having a split pea soup. It's your standard three year contract. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. three-year, 15-film contract, whichever <laughs> comes first. Um, anyways, <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, ladies. That was Thank a good, we love was a good you episode. All. We love y'all. All five um, of you. Or how many? Yeah, yeah, scary quite a few five listeners. Five we have a lot of listeners now. Shouldn't we tell people to subscribe to yes, our Yes, I was podcast? about to do that. <laughs> Yes. So <laughs> stick to the script. Yeah. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pff, all of them, man. Uh, yeah. Spotify. Oh, yeah. What? Um, what about Pandora? Google Pod- Podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if we're on Pandora. The podcast Maybe. section of all your local bookstore. Of, Google Little House on the Scary Podcast and you'll find us. <laughs> if you would like to ask more questions or recommend films that we should talk about, you can email us at littlehouseonthescary at gmail.com. Yeah, recommend films. That's a good idea. Yeah, subscribe to our podcast. Give Specifically on Apple Podcasts, comment. We would love to have some comments. Um, and if you give us a comment, that's worth reading i will give you a shout out and we 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 heart you uh ed stork we're not busting your balls bro (laughs) but we are (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah give us a shout and um you know awesome in the meantime take it easy we'll catch you all later bye
Nigel, you're going to be editing this, and I just want to say how much I appreciate you. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> I know you're going to cut this out, but still, maybe, <laughs> this maybe is a I lot will. of work to maybe listen to all okay, so of this. 